Hello and welcome to Let It Be, a podcast about less doing and more being. This is episode 62. Welcome back. We we took a little bit of a break, uh, a three week break from the show, just to refresh our brains and um, re-energize. <laughs> so you've been busy. You've been doing a bit of speaking and stuff. I have. Yeah. Well, we did. We we got to do some speaking together, yeah, which was that fun. Was awesome. It was really fun. We did, of course, the Simpler Way event in Sydney, which was brilliant and for everyone who came thank you it was such a wonderful day I get really anxious before I speak I feel like the week leading up to speaking (laughs) and in the week of a simpler way I had another speaking engagement a couple of days before so man I haven't felt that anxious for ages yeah I noticed you took yourself away and sat in the corner for a little while before before you did your before you did your talk which was I was like my equivalent of like a bathroom (laughs) bathroom break and sit in the toilet for 20 minutes (laughs) no I was I, I really was very anxious but it was I mean I had nothing to be anxious about other than public speaking which is you know kind of a bit terrifying but it was such a such a cool and lovely and warm group of people so I really enjoyed it yeah, no, it was it was a really lovely day. Yeah, it was the reason we were able to do that event because I was already in Sydney for an event the day before at which I was speaking. And yeah, I learned that speaking two days in a row is quite taxing. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of peopling. So you know, you know when it's just like you've had the best time ever and it's been so fun, but then you get back to your room and you're like just collapse in a puddle yep. yeah that was me on the both I the Saturday and the Sunday nights but it's good <laughs> I have become better at managing my energy level at events like that so that yeah I had minimal toilet time at both events which I was quite proud of <laughs> in fact I don't even think I saw the toilet at a simpler way so yeah there you go, there you go. that's improvement <laughs> see that, that's improvement I also think that you do get better at those sorts of things the more you do them I mean people often ask me about like how I go with speaking and how I you know, I've managed to improve at it. And the honestly, the only way to improve at it in terms of both the speaking side of it, but also managing ourselves yeah. as, you know, pretty hardcore introverts is to do more of it and figure out what works for us and, and what doesn't. And uh, yeah, I feel like I said to you before we recorded, I didn't have the emotional kind of hangover that I often have after I, I speak after a simpler way, which was really nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's so yeah. interesting to me. So many people get anxious before speaking, but I don't, and I've always wondered why that is. Yeah, I, mm. I, I, you know, I get like a nice level of anxious, like a before a triathlon kind of anxious where I'm like, ooh, I just want to perform really well. But, yeah, the speaking bit itself does not phase me, which is interesting. That is interesting. <laughs> so today's episode, we are going to be talking about the topic of quitting which seems like a bit of a weird topic but someone in our Facebook group who knows that what was it was it six or seven years ago that you decided to close down your jewelry business it was how long ago would that have been yeah probably seven years ago actually pretty much coming up to seven years in this winter yeah which is which is crazy to think about actually it's a long time (laughs) yeah so that's so someone in our Facebook group knows that you used to have that 
jewelry business. And so she was asking about, you know, how do you know when it's time to give something like that away? And in a similar way, I had used to have a little business called The Smile Collective, which was selling posters of manifestos, like a manifesto for mums and a manifesto for a simple life, things like that. And I had to shut that down. And I also recently had to quit and I hate the word quit but I had to quit my beloved flying solo editor job so I guess today we're going to talk about quitting but specifically quitting things that maybe we really love doing or that are Mm. going quite well but aren't necessarily serving us all that well so I guess Mm -hmm. to start off maybe can you tell your listeners a little bit about your jewelry business because it, it was quite a successful business wasn't it? It was doing well. Yeah. It sprung up out of like a hobby, to be honest. I just started playing around with making jewelry. I went through a real crafty phase, sort of maybe the year, a couple of years before Ben and I got married and a couple of years after those sorts of years. I was really into Etsy and all the handmade forums and that kind of stuff and loved loved exploring markets and, and finding out the sort of things that I could try myself. And as a result, I ended up taking a resin jewelry workshop one one weekend and absolutely loved it and over a period of about a year started to develop this particular kind of style where I'd use you know recycled perspex and and plastic and things like that and uh, all these beautiful vintage papers and fabrics from op shops and and that kind of stuff and I would make jewelry out of them anyway it, it started out as a hobby and then someone said why don't you you know sell it at a market and I thought well that might be fun so I tried it at a market and it all sold out and then I I started selling on Etsy and then, you know, slowly it just grew from there, from something that I did in the evenings to something that was quite, well, I wouldn't say it was a a big company, but it was a a huge part of my life, you know, and it was all handmade by me. And I got to a point where I had significant number of wholesale accounts and was uh, showing at trade shows and that kind of stuff. And it was still all handmade by me. And I remember getting to this point where I came home from the hospital for the day that I brought our daughter home our first baby home I got an email from Australian Fashion Week asking if I wanted to be part of the upcoming Fashion Week and I'm like I don't know why but I decided to say yes so I found myself at Fashion Week with like a six-week-old and things went quite crazy after that (laughs) 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 which is just mental anyway I, I found myself at a point where I had booked tickets to Thailand and Indonesia so that I could go and find like ethical workshops to, to get people to actually do the production for me. And that was the time where I needed to figure out what I was going to do with this because we needed to invest yeah. a significant amount of time and money at that point in order to make the company successful and grow and scale or close it down. Like they were the two choices because where it was at was completely unsustainable. And in the end, I basically had a breakdown and that was the decision for me. (laughs) And I've not once regretted it. Not a single time regretted that decision to say, like, I remember I was at my parents' house and I just like, I can't, I actually can't do this now. It's beyond stressful. It's becoming, you know, incredibly harmful. And that was it. I basically pulled the pin, you know, the following day. And it took me a long time to extricate myself from it. It wasn't oh, just yeah, like an immediate go-dark kind of thing. Oh, yeah, because you've got a lot of stuff that you've yeah. got to fulfill before you exactly. can actually – you can't just shut it down and go, okay, we're done. Like, no. You've, you've got commitment. So do you think if you hadn't had the breakdown, do you think 
you would have still shut it? Or do you think it would have been like if you'd made that decision, it would have been a lot, lot harder? Or had it become, yeah, what do you yeah. think? I think had I made the decision to go overseas and, and start down that path, it would have been harder yeah. to to make that call. But, look, to be honest, I don't know that my heart was in it yeah. really. And I yeah. think with that kind of business, I think I needed to be. You've got to be all in, don't you? Like Absolutely. In in, in, it takes over everything. Yeah. It really was taking over everything, physically, mentally, emotionally, creatively. All of that stuff was just all wrapped up in in that particular business and I don't think I had the heart for it yeah and I don't feel bad about admitting that to be honest because it did it kind of sprung up out of this thing that I was really enjoying and then it became this monster that I hadn't actually figured out you know what that would look like until it was there you know and I was it was kind of part of it so I don't I think I would have closed it anyway but I think it would have been tougher and uglier and potentially more damaging financially or you know emotionally later because I think what happens a lot of the time, and I see this happen a lot, is that start something as a hobby and it's fun and then it becomes mm-hmm. a business and in becoming a business that brings a whole lot of extra stuff with it. So it mm. brings a lot of validation because people are like, yeah, we love your thing and it's so much that we're willing to give pay you know, money for it. Yeah, on the other flip side of the coin is this thing that was really fun now starts to be a little less yeah. fun because it's now a money-making venture and, it, and you have to approach it from a business point of view. And then when it comes to thinking, well, do I want to shut it down or do I want to keep it going? Like the sense of obligation really kicks in. Like you, yep. you would have felt a huge sense sense of obligation to your you know the wholesalers and yeah the people that kind of I guess believed in you and wanted to sell your product like I guess and this is the thing with breakdowns that they're not fun but they make things really easy because they go I had a breakdown (laughs) I can't do it anymore it was really simple in the end because I'm like well I can't weigh up someone else's obligation against my mental health yeah there wasn't a competition in the end I mean I still felt torn don't get me wrong I still felt bad and didn't help when I had people in like the local community going well you're not very community minded by quitting your business that we all love like well yeah not that helpful but thanks anyway so in that in that way it was it was it was simple it wasn't easy to extricate myself from it because the like the flip side was my mental health you know and yes. I had a young family and I was pregnant at the time with our second and all that kind of stuff everything was suffering everything that I cared about like the most in the world was suffering you know my relationships were suffering the way I was parenting was was suffering I wasn't doing anything well and that you know that in the end made it pretty clear what the the right call was as hard as it, it felt at the time Definitely. And I guess so that's the cost benefit analysis when you're in at that stage where you're going, okay, you know, the benefits are I've got a business and it could potentially go really well, but the costs of it yeah. are my health and my time with exactly. my family, which is so, you know, so important to me. And so that becomes easier to weigh up, you know, when your health's in dire straits. I'm interested to know also how you process the sunk costs at that point because mm-hmm. that's another really big thing that people find it hard to walk away from. They're like, I've put so much time and energy into this thing. I can't just walk away. And it's like, well, yes, you can. Yeah, you can. You can. It doesn't feel. It doesn't necessarily feel great, but you absolutely can. And again, for me, that was a weighing up of and, and an acceptance, I think, that those sunk, they're gone. Those costs are gone. I've spent them. I've spent yeah. that time. I've spent that money. That energy has already been expended. I can't get it back no matter how regretful I feel or, yeah. or you know, how, how, how bad I feel about potentially pulling the pin now. It's about making that 
decision based on now, not based yeah. on what I've already done and what I've already given. And like there were pangs, don't get me wrong, particularly when I looked at all the, the ways that I invested in the company and my equipment and all of that kind of stuff. But in the end, I was able to to separate that from the, the present moment, which was where I was making the decision from. And I think that was what made it easier to be able to, to separate and and make the call that I did because I wasn't kind of beating myself up over it constantly. Yeah. But it's, it, I mean, just to go on a bit of a tangent as well, it's also so interesting to see the number of people who, who, who go through this process of starting a hobby and then turning it into a business and then realizing that it's like the businessization of yeah. the hobby has sucked all the joy out of it. It's such a common journey, I think, particularly, I mean, and yeah, I think actually for the people that I'm thinking of, it's mostly women and it's mostly women who have started a family who yeah. want to continue to do things, but maybe not in the way that they were doing them previous to having kids. And it's just, it's interesting to me to kind of see that the internet school of hustle yeah. that is kind of trying to teach everyone that you can make a million dollars from your hobby. Maybe you can, but it may not be very fun no and this is it it's a conversation I have often with people because I have so many people say to me I've got this passion and I'm trying to find a way to make money from it and can you have you got any thoughts or ideas around that and I'm like yeah maybe make money from something that you like well enough but isn't necessarily a passion Mm. which then frees you up to keep your passion a passion if that Mm -hmm. makes any sense because I guess because I've walked that path so many times of something's, you know, something I love, something that's fun to me, I go, I can monetize this, you know, even like I did it with writing actually. So again, probably about seven years ago, after I had my breakdown in my graphic design business, I thought, okay, I want to be, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to make money from writing. And I, you know, so I did, you know, so I did courses in magazine and newspaper writing and I learned how to pitch to magazines and I started pitching to magazines and I got a few paid articles from magazines. And while that was nice, I did actually find that what that did was suck the fun out of writing Mm -hmm. for me. And it was also quite a difficult way to make money. So it was just like, you have to hustle. Everyone I know who makes money that way they hustle really hard, but they love it. They kind of love the buzz that comes from pitching an idea, having an editor accept it and, you know, generating an income from their writing. But for them, that hustling is not sucking the passion out of writing for them. If anything, it probably enhances it. Whereas for me, it was taking the fun out of it because, you know, I'd pitch an idea to an editor and they'd go, yeah, sounds great, write it. And then I'd start writing it and I'd go, oh, so actually isn't as good an idea as I thought. And then I'd have to kind of, too bad, like they've accepted it. You, they're paying for it. You've got to make that mm-hmm. article work. And I, and I guess the freedom I love with my blog writing and my book writing is if I start down the path of an idea and then I find out that I don't have as much to say on that idea as I thought or I'm not as engaged with that idea as I initially thought I was, I can abandon it. Whereas... Mm. Once people were paying for that idea to be brought to life, too bad, too sad, like you're locked into it. So that was kind of taking my passion away from me for writing. And then what I figured out in the end is that 
there was an easier way for me to make money and that was through design which I had tried to abandon because I'm <laughs> and so it's just yeah I kind of always say to people yes you can make money doing your passion but it's not the be all and end all and quite often you do get yourself in that position and unfortunately if you're trying to make money from something it's a business and yep. for creative people in particular the business side of things is a little bit soul destroying like it's yeah it's exactly it's not fun yeah no it's not and I often think about it because one of the things that I'm most passionate about and love is travel you know adventure travel and just getting out there and and experiencing and people like well maybe you could be a travel blogger or you (laughs) you know you could you could work with with brands to you know I don't know highlight their destination or whatever yeah maybe I could but I just love traveling I don't want that to be my business I don't want that to become another source of stress or pressure or or whatever I just want it to be what it is you know and love it for for what it is rather than turning it into a business so yeah I think it's it's really interesting to see the number of people who go through this the other thing I think for me that became really apparent with quitting is this idea of not quitting on bad days ah yeah Yep. And I really like that. It was mm-hmm. actually a, a, an approach that I, I read in parenting, I think. You know, when you, you've got kids who are playing a sport or a musical instrument or something and they don't want to do it anymore, you, you basically tell them, fine, but we don't quit on bad days. And I think as a parent that's a wonderful thing yeah, to teach your kids. But awesome. I think as an adult it's also really important because the tendency is for us to <laughs> – throw our hands up in the air after a bad day or where, you know, a meeting didn't go well or we didn't get the client or whatever it might be and say, well, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And that's just so often a reaction to a bad day rather than the entirety of the business or the entirety of the, you know, the venture or whatever it might be. And I think understanding that has been really helpful for me, particularly over the last few years, because I have started and quit things, but I haven't quit them in a reactionary way. It's been in a more considered way and, and weighing up those benefits and weighing up the, the reasons for quitting or the reasons for not quitting. Yeah, I think that that's, that's a really helpful thing to, to carry through as well. Yeah, and no, I, I love that idea. I really, <laughs> I'm in the midst of that right now, wanting to quit doing a bad, a bad day <laughs> or something. Do you think you pretty much have to go through this, push yourself to the point of obliteration thing in order to be able to make good decisions about future quittings, if that makes any sense? Oh, yeah. Because I guess I look at it as, so I yeah push myself to the point of breakdown, effectively quit my business. You know, I was really ready to shut it down. My husband just happened to be in a position where he could step in and keep it going and he wanted to keep it going. So I effectively quit that and then, you know, I've started many little ventures ever since and one of those was, as I mentioned at the top of this podcast, called The Smile Collective and it was, to me, it was, I just thought it was an opportunity to combine two of my real loves, which were writing and design. So I created these very nice-looking manifestos that the words were really good as well I felt and they were quite popular Mm. but what I feel but I but I couldn't do it as a full-time proposition and it needed to be a full-time proposition like it couldn't be a side hustle because it just wasn't yeah it wasn't growing it it had good awareness and and every time I did a promotion or a, a push with it I would get good results 
but you know, ultimately they were $30 things that I maybe made $8 on by the time you took out all the overheads. So I needed volume. I recognized the fact that I needed volume in order for it to be a truly, you know, a profitable business. And then I, you know, I looked at it and went, I don't have the ability to make this a full-time thing because I've got other things going on in my life. Therefore, if it's not going to be a full-time thing, it's going to be a passion project. Uh, Do I have time in my life for a passion project? And I probably did it as a passion project for a good three years. And then in the end, I was like, well, I'm going to have to shut it down because Mm. I can't do this as a passion project forever, but nor do I have the time or the ability to make this a you know, the full-time, give it the full-time attention that it needs. But I'd, I would not have been able to walk away from that as easily because the sunk costs, again, were huge. The commitments I had to a few people were, were significant. And people were genuinely engaged with the brand. But because I had had this breakdown before and I, I just saw the writing on the wall and I saw if I keep yep. going on this path, I'm going to end up there again. Therefore, I need to I need to stop this thing now. Have you found it's now easier to make that call earlier? Yep. Than before. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I had I started a little uh, adventure called the Bloom uh, mm, last that's year. That's right. Might have been. No, it was two years ago. Two so years it was two ago, years yeah. ago, and I was about three months into it, and it became really clear that I was repeating some of the same mistakes. Yeah. Uh, that you know it wasn't sustainable in terms of growth, and it was all on me, and all of that, all that stuff that I had taken six or seven years to figure out with the jewelry business I figured out within about three months yeah and while I mean it wasn't painless of course to to quit that it was much easier because I think also because I knew that quitting didn't kill me yeah like it kind of hurts your pride a little bit and I didn't want to be the person who continues to fail in public time and time again but it didn't kill me and the benefit of quitting was time and less stress and all these other things that were far more important in the grand scheme of things than my pride or my ego. And I think having quit the jewelry business and kind of flamed out in a somewhat extravagant way and still not, it didn't, it literally didn't kill me. I was, I was fine, not better than fine. I benefited greatly from it over time, made it much easier for me to go, yeah, this is not working. And even if I kind of flog myself for the next 12 months it still won't be working even if it's quote unquote successful yes so it made it so much easier and I guess that is one thing as well is to be wary of success because and I I think maybe almost from judging success based on what you see other people Mm -hmm. achieving because you don't usually know Mm -mm. what sits behind that success or what worries I mean I guess I'm lucky in that I know a lot of high profile quote successful people and so I'm very aware of what goes on behind the scenes in their lives so I'm I know the fact that okay they may be on a yacht today but last week they were up till 2am every single morning struggled to get through the day because they were up so late doing something do you know what I mean so yeah I think when you're because I'm trying to think okay if someone listening to this right now is in that kind of phase of you know I've got this thing that I'm doing it has the potential to be successful if I'm able to do this this and this but right now the cost of it to me 
is I can see significant. Is it worth it? Because, yeah, because sometimes it is. Because sometimes, absolutely, sometimes it really is. And sometimes there is benefit to pushing through. Like Seth Godin wrote The Dip, you yeah, know, about that's right. people in business, successful people who, I don't, I actually don't know how he came up with the... <laughs> the particular, you know, data that says that, you know, people either quit when it was hard and then they would, had they kept pushing, it would have ended up being like the breakthrough that they needed. But essentially people so often quit when things get hard and had they kept going just that little longer, they would have turned the corner. And for me, that's something that I think about a lot, particularly in bad times, you know, months that are tough or when things don't work out the way you think, you're like, oh man, maybe I should quit. And it's this matter of weighing it up. You know, because sometimes it is worth pushing through. Sometimes it's not. Yeah, and that's and I guess we aren't all Nostradamus, so we don't always know if it's worth pushing through. But if you've got that really good sounding board, it helps to have. Like help, help. Yeah. You know, I think the other thing is it helps if your partner is engaged with what you're doing, because I do find that if there is something that you're doing that's causing a lot of friction within your family unit or your partnership unit. And the other person's keeps saying to you, I don't know if this is a good idea. I don't, you know, I think the cost of this is too high. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Like if you haven't got them fully behind you a hundred percent, that makes it really, really difficult. And while I'm not yeah. saying you should just give it, if you if you haven't got full support of your partner, give it away. I am saying that sometimes it's just not worth, the cost I guess way up how how valuable is your relationship to if you're a bit not yeah if you're not that invested in your relationship or if this is kind of a test of your relationship and you're willing for it to be a test that's fine but if you're not willing to give up your relationship for even if this thing really really is successful then that's kind of an easy an easy tell yeah and similarly with with uh the episodes that we've done before about dealing with like learning your values and uncovering your own personal values. That's another really important way that your values can, can come into play because you can use them as a compass or, you know, uh, like a a yardstick and ask which, how close or how far away am I from, from these values? And is that okay? Because is it only a temporary thing or how do I feel about the fact that this is moving me away from my values in a much more permanent way? And I, it, again, doesn't necessarily make it uh, easier, I don't think, to, to make the core, but it can make it simpler when you've got that framework, I guess, to, to measure it against. Yeah, values are such a hard thing because people quite often think, well, what are my values? And odd. It's mm. funny, I was talking with Ant the other day, Ant and my cousin who's a psychologist, because we were talking about values and he was like, I don't know what my values are, so I don't know if I'm living by them or not and then we you know we Mm. talked it out with him and it turns out he really did have an idea what his values were and everything he does in his life were in line with those and we're taking him towards it it's just not something he spends a lot of time thinking about yeah not necessarily putting the words to yeah and when you when we say values it's all it is is what's really important to you like what's the most important thing to you in life and break it down in in that regard and when you think about, okay, what's really important to me, then you can kind of look at what you're doing and go, okay, well, this thing that I'm doing, is is it taking me closer to being famous? And is fame one of my values? Like, is that something I really want? Do I really want everything that goes along with that? Or mm. do I want 
power because with great power comes great responsibility. Do I want both those things, you know? Or what I really crave is a quiet life. And what are the costs of the quiet life? Because the the quiet life might cost you friendships or, Mm -hmm. you know, networks that you've spent years building. So there's costs of everything. But ultimately, if you make these decisions in line with your values, the costs are going to be very bearable for the for the benefits that that come out of them. Exactly. So there is literally no quick and easy answer to the <laughs> the question of quitting. There really isn't. I mean, quitting something that you're invested in, quitting things that you're not invested in, I think is much easier. Yeah. But when it comes to quitting things that you are deeply invested in, then it's it's obviously going to be a lot more more complex. But I think they're kind of they're questions that are so worth asking because what you don't want is to get to a decision or even the lack of a decision which ends up Mm. having its own consequences and being regretful I think and for me once you regardless of what the decision is stay or go quit or don't quit I think if you have at that time made an intentional choice I very rarely have regrets when I've made an intentional choice based on true thought and questioning because that's the decision that you made at the time. Like you said, we don't know what we don't know. That's okay. And I think that if we start to hold ourselves up to some completely impossible ideal of having just known what's going to happen three years down the track, <laughs> we don't. You know. And I think that like, I very rarely have regrets in those big decisions because once you've accepted that you make the best decision based on what you have in front of you, you move on and that becomes your choice and that becomes the path that you're on. And, and the other path isn't like a other possibility because we, we can't split ourselves in two and see what, what that would look like. And I think that's for me, one of the biggest benefits of going through this really difficult time of, of questioning whether to quit or not. It's getting to the end and going, okay, I've, I've looked at all the options and, and this is my decision and I feel okay about it. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I particularly agree with the the fact of not leaving it till the decision is taken out of your hands. And quite often yes. we do that. Quite often we will delay the decision, delay the decision, delay the decision in the hope that the decision will be made for us. But my experience has been that decisions made that way always come with regret because yep. we do look back on them and go, if only. We're not active in it. Like yeah. we, haven't, we haven't been an active participant in that choice. We've allowed something else or someone else to make that decision for us by not taking action. And there is almost always regret. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think regret is far worse thing to deal with than, as you say, you've got everything on the table in front of you. You've made a decision, an informed and intentional decision based on your values, based on what you know has happened before in your life, based on what you think may happen in the future. And it always laughs at me when I say this, but life is one big risk management exercise, <laughs> you know, and it is we're always trying to assess the risks of this decision over that decision. But ultimately, when we make decisions ourselves based on all the information we have at the time, that decision is going to stand us in good stead down the track much more than if yeah, we leave decisions to be taken out of our hands. Exactly. <laughs>